All right. All right. Go ahead. Go All ahead. Right. Aaron Whitlow. Brandon Spivey. We are the Markout Movie Podcasters. And today we are doing versus mode. And uh, it's versing two people that I didn't think, Brandon, that we would ever see in competition against each other. Charles Bronson and Bruce Willis. Correct. Bruce. Bruce. Bruno. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, I, we, we both watched uh, Death Wish this week. Um, the first one from 1974 and then this latter one from, was it 2018? 2018. Yes, sir. I, I felt like it was longer. Felt like it was it's further back. I mean, you know what I mean? Not longer in length, but further back in like when it was made. But what? <laughs> I didn't feel like it came out in 2018. I thought it was like 2017 to 2016. Well, that's pretty close, Aaron. I mean, you know. Not I don't close know. Enough. I don't know when it came out. I don't know when it was shot. I know when it came out. Just don't know when it was shot. It's probably shot 2017. Probably. I, I, I'll go ahead, go out on a limb and say 2017. But it was uh, either way. Uh, it was fun all together, both of them. So let's dive into. Do you have any movie news before we dive into anything? I didn't. All right. Didn't. So no movie news. We're gonna dive right into uh, versus mode. So here we are. Let's deal with uh, first the 1974 version of it uh, with Charles Brunson. I look up to the side because that's where my little iPad is. Uh, so that's what I'm doing. I don't. Brandon probably has all this stuff on his laptop, so he just switches screens. I don't want to do all that. All right. Is that what you do? That's what I do, man. That's what I do. Maybe I should try that. Hey, let me try it. All right. Um. <laughs> all right. So you can, nobody can see my screen, so that's good. That's the benefits of not actually hosting the thing. So um, yeah. And what? <laughs> <laughs> Can you see, still see me? Yeah, I see you. All right, great. All right, so let me pull up. Uh, let's see. I'm going to try it Brandon's way and see how it is. I'm going to deal with uh, Death Wish 74 first. All right, first, uh, let's go ahead and hit it with those beautiful uh, synopsis there you go. of the movie. I will go ahead and since I have it in front of me, I will do Google's. All right. Um, once a mild-mannered liberal New York City architect, Paul Kersey, Charles Bronson, snaps when intruders break into his home, murdering his wife and violently raping his daughter, a business trip to uh, Tucson, Arizona, lands him a gift from a client, a revolver he uses to patrol the streets. When he returns home, Frustrated that the police cannot find the intruders, he becomes a vigilante, gunning down any criminal that crosses his path. The public finds this vigilante, vig vigilanticism heroic. I butchered that word. Brandon, <laughs> hit me with the numbers, bro. I'm going to hit you with some numbers. Okay, this movie was on a $3 million budget. It made $22 million. Uh, so that is great. That's why I got sequels. Uh, it had a 7 out of 10 on IMDb, 2 out of 5 on Common Sense Media. Get out of here, Common Sense. 88% like this on Google. So that's good, right, Aaron? 
It is absolutely good, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Rotten Tomato. The tomato meter gives it a 67%. Uh, and the audience score for Rotten Tomatoes is 68%. Good. Okay. There we go. There's the numbers. Those are the numbers. And, uh, and let's go ahead and hit up the stellar, I will say stellar cast, uh, if you will, my friend. Uh, let's go ahead and hit it up with some cast members. So we have the legendary Charles Bronson as Paul Kersey. We have Hope Lang as Joanna uh, Kersey. Vincent Gardenia as Frank Okoa. Uh, Stephen Keats as Jack Toby. Uh, there's a lot of people in this movie. But uh, one person I want to mention, freak number one, Brandon. Freak number one. Jeff freaking Goldblum, man. Yes. yes. I was like, I noticed that. I'm like, hey, <laughs> like, that's Jeff Goldblum. And then, like, I, I never thought in a million years other than the fly that I would see the butt of Jeff Goldblum. But, yeah, he shows us his butt. When yeah. He's, raping, he's, ra he's raping a girl. Yeah, he's he's raping. Uh, <laughs> showing the butt, and yeah. I wonder how he feels <laughs> about this movie. If it's like... Is this one of those, like, you know how a lot of people that started in horror, like Matthew McConaughey and stuff, it's like, yeah, let's not talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. I wonder if he is that way with this movie. If he's like, Well, Matthew's more open to it now, but back in the day, <laughs> yeah, he was like, let's not talk about it. That didn't happen. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure Jeff is brought, I mean, Jeff seems like a good dude, like mm -hmm. humble beginnings. I'm pretty sure he's like, well, I worked with Charles Bronson, kind of. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Never really did, but, you know, kind of. I was in a Charles Bronson movie. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. I mean, and and he was in, I was. I would argue and say that he was in the definitive Charles Bronson movie. This yeah. would be Bronson's, this is what Die Hard is to Bruce, is what uh, Death Wish is to Bronson. I agree. Yeah. Well, uh from what I've seen, I agree. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen, seen the other. I haven't seen two, three, and four. It's like five of them, I five, think. Five, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Now, we will have to look at those maybe action junkies. We'll have to, you know, just look at their whole series and uh, and go over it and see what we think about it. But um, I want to mention one person that's in this movie that people don't even realize is in this film. Uh, now, the trivia, I was watching it on Amazon, as you were, I believe. And yeah. uh, there's trivia that popped up, you know, one of the, in, in the alley scene where uh, one of the people was like beat up the guy and then like one of the kids like came up to Bronson. One of those kids may have been a very young Denzel Washington really? in this movie. Yeah. Uh, one of the little street punks that they that, that shoots mm. is Denzel Washington. Did not know that. Didn't notice that. Uh Wow. Yeah. Humble beginnings so, again. <laughs> it is very humble beginnings, but you know, it's pretty cool if it if it is a young like 15, 16 year old Denzel uh getting to start and start in a movie, uh, you know, playing a street yeah. a street thug, you know, nobody would think, Oh well, you know, this kid, this guy, this kid right here, this is a street thug is gonna go on to be an Academy Award winning actor, Denzel yeah. Washington, you know, and so you know, just, just like no one thought Jeff Goldblum was going to go and put and sprinkle water on uh, what's her name's arm in uh, Jurassic Park. 
No, when he sprinkles that water. <laughs> I don't remember him sprinkling water. Yeah, I he was you sprinkling did, water on it. I him. thought you were going to talk about his iconic. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I thought you were going to talk about his uh, uh, got to go faster, you know, being in the back of the van, uh, the uh, Jeep, you know, and the uh, uh, T-Rex is coming up on him in the in the mirror yeah. like this. And he's like, "Go, must go faster, you know. That's what I think about. <laughs> and the fact that I, he threw the – through the uh, um, flare and yeah. the, the T Rex, I know this is not uh, Death Witch, but the T Rex, instead of going towards the flare, keeps running towards him. He's like, ah, it was funny. I love it. I love Jurassic Park. So hey, hey, this is, this is, <laughs> this is a soft uh, spot in my heart. But yeah, nobody knew that Jeff Goldblum, who uh, you know forced fellatio on a woman in this movie, would go on to be. Jeff Goldblum of The Fly, Jeff Goldblum of Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum of yeah, Transylvania uh, Hotel, uh, no, uh, Transylvania 65,000. Also, it was, it was an early Goldblum movie. But yeah. Is he in uh, Earth Girls Are Easy? Yeah, he is with Jim Carrey. Yeah, thought and so. Is James Carrey, and I think Damon Wayans as well. So those, all three of those guys end up having a very successful career. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Gina Davis is in it too, who was, I think, connected to Jeff at that time. I think that was dating. Uh, so they were in the five together, right? Yeah, right. I've never part. seen that movie all the way through, but I have seen bits and pieces of it. Uh, right. Another, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say another, another person that was in this movie that I wanted to mention, uh, like. It, like this is the '74 version that we're still re referring to. Uh, another person that was in this movie, uh, I'm trying to find them, and I was like, "Oh man, that's pretty cool." Um, uh, what is her name? It's she is a legendary uh, African American actress. Um, she later on in her life, uh, she played in 227. She became more famous as an older woman. It's kind of like Jessica Lane, Jessica, Jessica Tandy. How Jessica Tandy became a little bit more famous when she got older versus younger Jessica Tandy. Uh, this lady became a little bit more famous when she got older. Helen Martin. Uh, she uh, is known for being in 227. She played like the mother, the, grand, the grandmother relief figure in 227. Uh, but she became even more famous later on in life when she played in uh, – uh, uh, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. She was the uh, uh, weed smoking grandmama in that movie, and uh, she was like really. She became that like she started being in a lot of movies doing that type of character uh, before she passed away. Uh, she died in two thousand. So, but yeah, uh, she was in Don't Be a Menace. She's in Repo Man. She's also in Death Wish. She's in Kiss the Girls. So she's had a, a pretty nice film career. Uh, she's in I Got the Hookup as grandmother. Like I said, just start playing the same type of character. But yeah, uh, it was it's pretty cool, man. Uh, just to see some of the people that's in this movie. And actually, Brandon, I really enjoy the uh, detective. His little quirks. What did you think about him? I thought he was really good. Uh, I, yeah, he he had some quirks about him, but I thought you know deep down. He, he didn't really want to catch the guy because they were doing his job. 
I think so, he had some uh, issues. Like it, I don't know if he had asthma or a code, but he always would have like some a handkerchief. Yeah, he would always uh, kind of uh, have something that he is breathing or I don't know if it's an inhaler, a seventy-four type of version of an inhaler. I don't know what it was, but it seemed like he had either some asthma or he had some type of code or something, and I didn't know what it was. Uh, but I thought I found him a very is a very interesting character. Just uh, it just like they don't make characters as fleshed out like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't. Not anymore. Uh, you know, they're usually one-dimensional side characters. Uh, but you know, I, I liked him. I thought he brought something to the to, to the to the movie to uh, the Paul Kersey's character as well because he, he 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 warns him towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm not gonna get into it yet, but. Uh, yeah, I just thought he he brought something different to a to like type of character because usually they would be one dimensional. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say Bronson was Charles was probably I don't know maybe in his thirties when he when he made this movie. I don't think he was old old. You know, Charles he still looked pretty. He is fit, especially at the very beginning. We've seen him in his little speedo. Yeah, <laughs> and on the beach, he looked kind of ripped, still kind of buff a little bit. Uh, he didn't look like, um, you know, we see old man Bronson later on in life, but you know, it looks like right at that area. Uh, but his daughters, his daughter and his wife, go to the grocery store, uh, Brandon, and uh, they encounter. They didn't really encounter the gang. The gang was there causing ruckus, but then they they see them. And then they spot that they had groceries that's supposed to be getting delivered to them, which was weird. If you're going home, why don't you just pick, take the groceries? I don't know. 70s, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but but they find a slip with the address, and they follow them and um, essentially made their way into a back door, an access door. Yeah. And uh, and one of the one of the guys, one of the gang members, the punks, the freaks, uh drew a swastika and I'm thinking Jeff Go- Jeff Goldblum is Jewish. That's kinda weird. You know? <laughs> that was my first thought. I'm like, what? I'm like, did he approve this? But you know, but Jeff, I mean he's a kid at this point, man. Is the probably I don't know if it's his first first row. You're breaking up on me. What'd you say? You there? Yeah I'm there. Okay, you were breaking up on me. You were talking about Jeff Goldblum, then boom, I couldn't see you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I said Jeff Goldblum. I said, this is probably one of his earliest roles, would you say? Yeah, I would say is probably his, I would say his first speaking role. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't looked it up or nothing, but that's what I would say. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, Death Wish, 1974. You know when you, you know when it's your earliest role? Is you don't even have a name for your character. He's literally freak number one. <laughs> that, is, that is who he is. Uh, but yeah. Um, but so he they, stood out. He did st- stand out. And uh, just he has, Jeff Goldblum has some type of char- uh, charisma about himself when you see him. Uh, he just, he didn't like, although you can tell it's a time, he, he kept calling people daddy-o. Yeah. Hey, hey daddy-o, don't, you know, don't jive me. 
don't jab me, mama. You know, like, like they're talking that that uh, street slang, man, and um, and I don't know. They uh, end up brutal. It was pretty brutal. Uh, it was. The, it was pretty brutal. Uh, I don't deal well with those kind of scenes. Uh, I mean, I'm okay afterwards, but you know, watching that, it, it hits you places you don't want to be hit. Uh, so yeah. But it was brutal. Uh, I didn't know when they were going to stop rolling, you know. <laughs> I thought, how far are they going to go with this? Uh, mm-hmm. And I have not seen the original of, uh, what is it, The Last House on the Left? Yeah. I've seen the original of that. So I know the remakes version of that scene was terrifying enough. I can't imagine what Wes Craven actually did. Uh, but, yeah, it, these kind of scenes, I, just, I don't like them. Uh, they, they serve a purpose, especially for stories about revenge uh but man it it was very brutal yeah it uh it reminds me a bit of uh um what is that um what's that one movie did they they make a spit on your grave they made several remakes and stuff of it. yeah i've never the, seen those the original was very like the rape scene in that is is very brutal it's like it's one of the hardest things to see but it also makes you want feel for her and love her revenge you know so you want to see them get it and that's one thing that i hated about this movie we ain't gonna get to it later but we'll probably get to it later but what i'm, I'm saying I, I i felt like the freaks from the very beginning none they never really got to come up and like like i wanted them to you know what i mean yeah i i feel you uh also about that scene uh you know the daughter survives kind of uh the mother, though, dies, and do you think it was believable she would die from being struck like that? I mean, obviously, you can get struck in the head a certain way, and it, it will kill you, but mm-hmm. did you believe it was believable that particular strike would kill I, her? I believe that, I mean, maybe if it hit her temple. Yeah. It looked like that. I, I thought that she would, I don't know, they kind of knew that she would die, obviously, but uh, I thought that I thought she was died by being stabbed or something like that or strangled. I didn't realize that she died from just like being beat up, you know. Yeah, I think the remake did it better. Oh, absolutely. But you don't see it, obviously. But yeah. her death was done better. Well, the daughter's uh you can feel the daughter's trauma. Yeah. In this one more than say in the remake. Yeah. In this one you could feel like like you can understand why she would scream when her husband comes in to kiss her, or you can you can understand why she is so uh, traumatized and goes into a canatotic type of state because uh, of what she went through, you know. So yeah, yeah. it felt more brutal. Yeah, this than it did in the in the remake. What did you think of her husband? Oh, I thought he was a jellyfish man. He had no spine. <laughs> uh, I really, I just, I, I didn't like. I, I guess it's the times, man. He kept calling him dad and mom, and you know, I know that you know your in-laws. You can say, "Hey, dad," "Hey, mom," and I always thought it was weird. I, I thought it was weird when Alvin did it on uh, on the Cosby Show. I thought it was weird when this guy did it right here. So yeah, you know, I just thought it was weird. Um, yeah. But I thought he just a jellyfish. You? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, jellyfish, spineless. Uh... Just want to run away, <laughs> just uh, not being there for his wife. 
either. I just put her in any hospital he can afford. I, it, it, I mean, what can you say about a person like that that would do something like that? I mean, oh, yeah, he, Charles should have killed him. <laughs> now, I will say this, that um, I felt that Charles got over the death of his wife and, the, and, the, and his daughter a little bit easier than I say Bruce did. It felt like, yeah, uh, I felt like he was, he was, he really got, got over it uh, to an extent where like the way that he, it happened for him is he, after um, the death and everything, he ends up going to, uh, I guess going to Texas, not Texas, but Arizona. Yeah. And, uh, and the gun-toting guy was like, "Hey, you know, you know, we shoot guns, and like he got he, essentially, they got him in, you know." But I thought that was interesting too. They gave a backstory that Charles Bronson was like a marine or something. Like yeah. That. So I thought that was interesting. So he has done it. He just hasn't done it in a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was interesting to know that he he could uh, handle himself in situations. I don't think, though, he got over it, like, really quick or anything. I just think he handled it a different way. Like, I don't know. He, I can see your point where he gets over it real quick, but I also think he's grieving differently, too. I think hmm. when he sees the police not doing anything, he, and this is how he's going to grieve. He's going to kill any mugger, any street thug out there. I it reminds me of a story that Liam Neeson told when he got accused of being a racist. <laughs> Someone hurt a friend of his, and he wanted to go out and basically be Paul Kersey. Uh, but it was a black man that did it, and he, he wanted to hurt a black man, uh, which he shouldn't have said or done, which he didn't do, but he shouldn't have said he wanted to do that. But it kind of is, I think it's a part of grieving. You want to hurt someone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just how I took it. That was how he grieved. He wanted vengeance. Except he didn't get vengeance on the people that actually hurt his family. Yeah, and that's one thing that he didn't. He didn't. Um, but, um, like, there's a lot. Also, there's another little subplot that uh, he used to handle guns often, but he stopped yeah. handling guns because uh, his father was mistaken for a deer and killed. When he went hunting, was that in this one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or was that in the Bruce Willis one? I think it's Bruce Willis. All right, okay. Because uh, I know one of them, <laughs> one of them said that that you know, I thought he said that his dad. Cause he said I love. Because uh, I thought he said some. He said a weird line. He says I love my pa, uh, or I love my father, something like that. Um, and so he. I'm used pretty to, sure it was the. I'm pretty sure it was a remake though. All right, well, I don't know. But anyway, I thought it was an interesting little thing where he had guns, hadn't couldn't touch guns because of that. Um, but he essentially when he gets when he's leaving Tucson, his his uh business partner down there gives him a, a revolver <laughs> that has infinite ammo ammo, unless he went out and buy more bu bullets. You never see him buy more bullets. But yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, but the guy gave him an extra box, so it might have gave him a box of bullets too. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, he um, 
He had this gun. I like uh, – I'm going to do some versus mode right here. I like how Bruce got his gun more than – is believe is more believable the way Bruce got his gun versus the way this guy got his gun. As, as far as – you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the, the guy gave it to him. I thought it's more like a gift that should be put in a box and not fired. I didn't know – you know what I'm saying? Like I the revolver. But but this one when and Bruce is the guy he's lift they lifting the the a gang member onto a gurney and his gun falls out onto the floor and he yeah. kicks it up on the, the 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 uh surgery surgery table and uh later gets it and puts it in his, you know, belt loop or whatever, his pants. So it but, would be tracing back to him because he didn't own it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I thought that I thought that the way that he got it was a little bit. I like the way that Bruce's version got it versus this one, but nonetheless, she gets a revolver in this movie, and um, uh, when you uh, the first kill, who was the first kill? Do you remember? Uh, he was standing uh on the I want to say the pier, just looking out in the water, I, I believe, or a sky, and he the guy tries to mug him rob him mm-hmm. and he just kind of turns around and shoots him before he can get mugged basically. yeah the guy had it a gun self-defense i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was self-defense it was and and he responded to it uh i think he went home and maybe threw up or, or you know or he just kind of processed the fact that he just took a life yeah but then but then it seemed as if he really looked forward to taking people's lives. He really was like, it's like, uh, he really looked forward to the kill. Like he, even, yeah. He got yeah. a taste of it and he liked it. He's kind of became like a shark in that regards. Uh, I, you know me, I got to bring up a shark <laughs> during hey, Death Wish. Good, good analogy though. Good analogy. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. He, he got a taste of it. He liked it. And he, you know, it, I don't think he planned on becoming a vigilante, but he liked killing, you know, bad people. And the cops weren't doing anything about it, so why not? Was his mentality, I do believe. Uh, so, uh, I, yeah, I'm not saying what he did was right, but what he did do that night was right. I mean, he was going to get mugged, possibly killed. You know, you got to defend yourself. And honestly, in reality... I guess we can argue that uh, that like what he did was self defense uh, that night, but then the other nights it would have been self defense had you know what I'm saying like yeah. he would just happen to be in that he he would go into those areas that would have those type of people there, uh, yeah. but then uh, they when they respond to him and try to attack him or whatever in self defense he would shoot them. Yeah. I mean, just that's, that's what he did. Uh, the only, there's only one time where he, uh, I felt that he really, really orchestrated uh, what what happened. Is the last one where he went to the diner and he's flashing the wads of money, you know, just to try to, it's like putting chum in the water. Yeah. Get, like, get the, get the uh, shark to come. But uh, but yeah, it's just he he flashed a little money. The next thing you know, two or three people seen it. 
Yeah. But the two main dudes seen it, and they like went to uh, to jack them, yeah, to rob them. But um, I don't know. Just it didn't I, work out for him though. No, no. <laughs> well, I think it was the last one, so he killed two, but let one of them survive. But um, I I do think that um, with this movie, I I felt that Charles Bronson was like I love that little scene where he's sitting in the bar uh and he's looking at the TV the news talking about like the vigilante yeah and uh and he kind of has a smile on his face like like pride about who he is and um I just felt like I felt that like I like I fell in love with Charles Bronson even more right then cuz I'm like man that's that's good just it's subtle he just sitting there he smiles and then he starts you know you know like not really you know, he doesn't like if you didn't see that, you wouldn't notice it. But you notice that he has a smile on his face, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I also got a little bit of Batman from him, <laughs> except Batman doesn't kill. But I felt like he was like the Cape Crusader of this, of uh, New York, because mm-hmm. uh, the cops couldn't do their job, so he was going to do it for them. I, I just felt a little bit of Batman in his character that in that aspect. That Batman doesn't kill, so I guess he'd be more Punisher, but but not really because Punisher looks for these things and he wants to kill as many people as possible. I don't feel like Paul Kersey was like looking to kill everyone. I think he was just he saw something that was shady, he would interject himself into the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, yeah, I felt a little Batman. He was, um, but the thing, and I think everyone probably would agree with this is that he was taking all these guys down, but he never he, – he was so upset that the cops weren't looking for his wife's killers, uh, his daughter's rapist. But he never looked for him either. Mm. He didn't do his own investigation. I know a lot of people feel that way, and I, I, that is true. And that's what hurts the movie for me a little bit, just a little bit, because I, I don't think it, it – the narrative switched to him becoming a vigilante instead of finding – those people but I just uh, I think if he would have found those people I don't I think it'd be a perfect movie yeah I think that uh, I, I would agree with it because that's that's the thing that I like the most about the remake is that um, you know he started out the same way man he started out uh, being just a vigilante just killing any random yeah. person that, that he comes across some of them was more specific, like the kid said, hey, I was shot by this guy that calls himself an ice cream man or whatever. Yeah. And so he goes in broad daylight and shoots the guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and like, which is very bold, you know, to do that. Um, but he does it. And, um, but then eventually something leads him, like one of the, the guys that robbed his house, MJ, is uh, coming into the uh, emergency room and he recognizes his watch. He recognized the name and stuff, so he realized who it is. And yeah. that kind of starts him on this mission to track down, like, like, oh, let me get back. Let me regain my focus. This is about getting them. And so yeah. he starts to go back into that mode of becoming a, a becoming more of a Jaws versus just a shark. I'm going to use that analogy still. <laughs> Jaws, Jaws hunted for specific people in the movie. And at first, this guy was just all over the place, killing whoever he can. Yeah, he ran but them. then, yeah, but then he's like, 
no, let me let me hone in on this one specific person and target the them, you know. And that's why that's why I really enjoyed this the remake. Yeah, I, there's aspects to the remake I really I mean I really enjoyed the first two acts. I think it's when he it was actually killing the people that killed his wife and uh hurt his daughter. Uh it's just how he done it. I had an issue with, and, and that's not to do. It has nothing to do with Bruce Willis. It, it has to do with the filmmaker Eli Roth. Eli Roth. Yeah. He brought he brought too much gore, in my opinion, to this movie. Uh, it didn't need it. I mean, it's fine if you get you know uh, bullets flying and blood splattering, but the way he had blood splattering was more like a horror movie than uh, an action thriller. Do you disagree? Or agree with that? No, I agree with you. Uh, Eli Roth, to me, has a tendency to start off really well in his movies, but he just doesn't know how to finish his films. <laughs> that's just that's just my own personal, and and I say this after seeing several Eli Roth movies. Cabin Fever, he starts off well, but he doesn't know how to end it well. Uh, uh, Green Inferno started off well, but didn't know how to end it well. And then in this movie, started well but it didn't know how to end it well I just don't believe it I honestly don't believe he knows how to finish his films uh, and that's I apologize to Mr. Roth uh, he's successful but he is, he is. It just, but it's just like the third act in this movie uh, in the in the 2018 version felt like yeah you're right it felt more like a horror movie and it felt over the top like yeah. like the guy that, that, that gets shot and he falls off the staircase, and he breaks his neck. It's just like it was just too gruesome. And yeah. then, or or you know, the dude, or he like you know makes the car fall on top of the yeah. guy and kills him. Also, Bruce started using one-liners in that last act. Hmm. He became Bruce Willis. <laughs> Eli, no... Eli says, "Turn into McClane." Uh, <laughs> yeah, he just he just became Bruce Willis. He he wasn't Paul Kersey in that last act. He uh, he was Bruce, and I don't have a problem with that because it's good to see Bruce, especially if he's trying. And he was definitely trying in this movie. Uh, this is his best performance, I say, probably since Looper, and that was years ago. So, <laughs> so kudos. Yeah, it was it, it, it was a while back, you know, and. He's been kind of, I don't want to say typecast as a guy not trying anymore, but uh, like I felt he did okay in Glass, but it wasn't unbreakable performance, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt he did okay. It's just this movie, I thought he really cared. Like when he lost his wife, I felt that. And I, I was like, oh my god, Bruce is acting. <laughs> you know, I just, mm -hmm. I was like, wow, okay. He, I'm gonna like this movie because he's actually he's caring, he, he he cares. Let's go ahead real quick uh, while we're while we're discussing it. Okay. Let's go ahead and uh, hop into Death Wish 2018, and then we'll come back with our uh, with our marks and everything, and who wins the versus mode. All right, um, all right. So Death Wish 2018. Uh, you go ahead and read the synopsis. Do you have it in front of you somewhere? Yeah, I got it. I got it. Paul, Dr. Paul Kersey is a surgeon who often sees the consequences of the city's violence in the emergency room. 
When home intruders brutally attack his wife and young daughter, Percy becomes obsessed with delivering vigilante justice for the perpetrators. As the anonymous slayings grab the media's attention, the public begins to wonder if the deadly Avenger is a guardian angel or the Grim Reaper himself. How much did it make? Do you have that? Uh, it made overall. It made forty nine point six million on a thirty million dollar budget. I think that's including overseas as well. Okay. Um, the numbers, 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, 31% on Metacritic, 87% of Google users like this movie. It's the highest number this movie is ever going to get. <laughs> <laughs> because on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the tomato meter, critics, gives it 18%. But fans gave it 72%. So the audience liked it a little bit more than the critics. Yeah, uh, I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. Um, now, I want before I uh, jump into the 2018, at the end of the 20, uh, 1974 version, so uh, he gets shot, and uh, he gets shot in the leg. He loses blood, I guess, and he passes out. And then he wakes up in the hospital, and uh, the detective uh, hunts him down. And says, hey, man, um, tell you what, we didn't catch you, but we're going to need you to leave town and get out of New York and never come back. You know, uh, you work for this company, find another job, a different office. They have an office all over the place, transfer somewhere. He ends up transferring to Chicago. And, yeah. um, and in Chicago, when he's at the airport, he notices that the uh, – that um, uh, somebody uh, robs a like grabs some luggage or whatever, yeah. and uh, and he look uh, and well snatches the woman's purse. Yeah, and, uh, and then like he looks at the guy and he just like looks. And he's like, you know, like shoots at him. Yeah. Um, and that was just like it just pure Charles Bronson, just like yeah. And and I can't wait to see Death Wish two, three, four, and five just to kind of see where the story goes, but. That's how that ended in Chicago. This one actually takes place in Chicago. Yeah. Let's go into it, Brandon. What do you think? Yeah, it, it takes place in Chicago because it's the number one crime rate in the world. Well, in the U.S. Uh, and the, the reason it took place in New York in the original film, because that was the number one crime rate in the U.S. in 1974. So um, so that's why it, it takes place there. But, uh, yeah, like like we said, I mean – it's, it, it's the bad thing about this is it's on Paul Kersey's birthday when they kill his wife and attack his daughter. Mm-hmm. And he's working. He was supposed to go with them to dinner, and he got called in uh, to do surgery. So uh, poor circumstances. Uh, but, yeah, as you said earlier, the MJ character, uh, he uh, took a screenshot of their address when they were uh, getting uh, their vehicle. Yeah, he's like a ballet. He was yeah. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. So also, like, also real quick, uh, uh, his brother in this movie, Frank Kersey, is Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. The, the, the tremendous actor, Vincent D'Onofrio, um, who is underrated. Um, he says, uh, Frank says uh, to the um, MJ, he just says it nonchalantly, hey, hey, hey. Hey, this guy is the guy, the guy with, with all the money, you know, you know, because like he's like, 
I guess the guy was looking for like uh, his tip or whatever. He said, yeah. no, 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 no. He's the guy with all the money, you know. And, uh, and so he kind of looks over at, at Bruce, Bruce's character. And uh, when he goes to get the keys, uh, he and then hears them talk about, hey, uh, like his wife, Elizabeth Shue, Lucy uh, Kersey, love Elizabeth Shue. Um, she tells um, Frank, don't forget, over at this restaurant, we're going to be meeting there at this time of night, yeah. tomorrow night or whatever. And um, and uh, so the guy knows, okay, they won't be home at that point. Um, and they took the screenshot. And I guess it's when they plan on burglarizing the house. Yeah. Um, but I want to bring this up real quick, my man. I marked out when I thought about Vincent D'Onofrio and Elizabeth Shue being in the same movie together. They were in Adventures in Babysitting together. Uh, like, what, 1980-something? And it's just, it is so... 86, I think. Yeah. It is so good just to see them two in a movie together. Again, they might have been in more stuff together, but just... When I died on me, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is Chris and this is Thor in the movie together, you know, because that's who he played. He played that, he played uh, the guy that owned the uh, garage. Yeah. Uh, but but the little sister thinks it's Thor because he's buff. But, what um, happened to Vincent? <laughs> well, he, he gained weight. All right, so the same year that he did Adventures of Babysitting, I think the same year he did uh, Full Metal Jacket. And so I think that he gained weight before metal jacket and i don't think he just never put it off no he looked he, he was in shape for that one movie with jennifer lopez that was like in that was in two that was in 1999 yeah after okay. that though he he blew up and which i think he looks i, I prefer this look for him mm. i don't know why but i do i i think it just fits him better he's, uh, trem he's tremendous as kingpin in um in the Daredevil. Daredevil, oh yeah. my gosh, he's like he's he was my favorite villain uh, uh, in a long time. Like when I, cause he just he just so he has such like like Jeff Goldblum, he has charisma. Yeah. He has a, such charisma about himself that you want to see more of him on the screen. And when you don't see him on the screen, you kind of feel like oh, I can't wait to see him again. You yeah, know, I, I love him in uh, Jurassic World, uh, the Escape Plan he did with Arnold and Stallone. He was great in that. Uh, he is, he's a great character actor. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with you. He's very underrated. And when uh, he popped up in this movie, I was like, you know, this is going to be entertaining. This may not be all that great, but it's definitely going to be entertaining. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I'm going to go back to something earlier you said, Bruce Willis, I, I felt like he didn't phone this one in yeah. as, as like, and he does, he has been, uh, criticized recently for saying that he phones in a lot of his performances. But in this one, I felt like he really cared about the, the part. Uh, he cared about the movie. And uh, and you can tell that he kind of had fun with the character. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a die. You're I'm a die, die hard. hard. I'm a die hard. hard. <laughs> I'm a die hard Bruce Willis fan. And, uh, and it started with die hard. Actually, it started with Moonlighting uh, back in the 80s. I remember seeing him and thought he was pretty funny. And so when I seen him in uh, uh, Die Hard, I was like, oh, man, that's, that's the same guy. And then, you know, he kind of changed what it meant to be an action star because we had Arnold and we had Stallone. We had the bigger guys yeah. uh, at that point. And then Bruce comes in that is not as cut as Arnold, not as, not as buff as Stallone, but he had that 
he had that character the, about him that you believe he was a tough guy. And so he kind of changed the landscape. He's kind of like John McClane is kind of rocky. Like, instead of he's not a boxer, he's a, he's a, he's a de- detective. Uh, he don't know when to quit. <laughs> he gets knocked around. I, he just don't know when to quit. So I, I always looked at Die Hard as an, uh, the action version of Rocky. Uh, except it's not Stallone, it's Bruce Willis. And that was definitely his defining moment in this business uh he made him a mega star i mean no one when you think bruce willis no one will ever forget john mcclain that that's his rocky that's his terminator conan whatever i mean that, that's that's you know that's his character that's him that's, that's his i would say uh for action for stallone it would have been rambo is rambo. his yeah. rambo is his guy you know and yeah. then um because uh rocky is more of a dramatic character yeah. uh than stallone uh uh, then Rambo, but uh, but then like yeah, but and then Arnold is gonna have the T two uh, the Terminator, yeah, T nine hundred I think is T nine hundred, yeah, yeah. T eight hundred, yeah, he's gonna have that even though he, yeah T eight hundred, so he had he's gonna have other characters, but that his is his defining character. McLean yeah. is his defining character, uh, but this movie, I felt like he's a doctor, uh, yeah. I felt like 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 at the beginning I love the. Uh, all right, so uh, we start the movie with a cop that's been shot, another cop trying to rush the cop into uh, into the hospital, try to get him there as fast as he can. He said he got him there in six minutes, uh, but he, he felt like it wasn't fast enough because the officer ends up unfortunately passing away. And then Bruce, he is sorry, but it's just part of his job. It's so his job. Like, He's like, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, he's, he does that whole little spiel that doctors say, but it's on to trying to save the life of the shooter. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you're going to try to uh, save the scumbag that shot, that killed, killed this officer? He's like, yeah, if I can. You know, and so he goes to that. But then, like, whenever he is, uh, uh, his wife and stuff is wheeling in and being in the hospital, he's on that receiving end. Yeah, of uh, being told, "Hey, I'm sorry for your loss. It's we did always, all we can." It's always different when it hits you, you know. Uh, I mean, it's like the virus, you know. Uh, people thinking it's a joke when it hits someone you know, or you know, hits your city. <laughs> uh, it affects you differently, and it's just the same thing in this movie. He wasn't affected with that cop, but with his wife and daughter it was personal for him. So it's just like it was personal for that cop that lost his partner who he was probably really close to. So uh, it, it was definitely personal and uh, it struck a nerve as it would. I mean, you, you know, and he wanted answers. He wanted the cops to find the person, the people. And, and I, what I liked about this movie when he actually talks to the detective in charge mm-hmm. and that wall of unsolved crimes that is very that's that's very accurate i mean especially in the biggest crime rate city i mean and i i was actually i had a conversation it's like back to the original they probably wouldn't have found who raped his daughter and killed his wife back then you know uh no evidence i mean i mean they didn't have finger fingerprinting then yeah so. i don't think so they didn't have a lot of the forensic stuff that so that actually have. made sense that they would they didn't find them now with this movie uh the biggest crime rate city 
in, you know, the world, it, it, it's tough. I mean, you see that on the wall, so many unsolved murders and it's and, just, it is tough. It's, it's real. It's, it's and, real life right there. And another thing, Brandon, is, uh, the cop, uh, played by, uh, Dean Norris, who I love, I love Breaking Bad. Um, he's I, knew he was in, I knew he was in something. Yeah, he's a cop in Breaking Bad as well. Uh, he's just, he, he's tremendous. Um, uh, and he has his own little quirks. He's been trying to lose weight and stay and stay healthy. Yeah. And uh, I guess his wife has caused him to stay healthy, and he hates it. Uh, <laughs> but but it's not as quirky as the other guy. Which yeah. but but you know I do like the relationship between him and Kimberly Elise, who plays his his partner, Detective Lenore uh, Jackson. They feel like they have really good camaraderie together. But um, uh, I felt like. Uh, he said something. Detective uh, Rain says, um, "Well, see, when there's a shooting or something like that, there'd be a hundred witnesses, but nobody comes forward and tells us anything." Yeah. So goes code, and that's and that's that is so true that you know there could be like everybody can see somebody gets shot and killed, but nobody's gonna speak up. Nobody's gonna say, "Hey," because they don't want to be a snitch or they don't want to be a rat. But in reality. When it, it still hurts the families of the people that loses the loved one, that no one came forward and said, "Hey, yeah, I did see, um, you know, this black sedan or da 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 da," you know, and it's it's terrible, but it's a reality that they we live in. Yes, it is, and I would also say they they don't want to speak up because they're probably afraid of their own lives if they do speak up. I mean, I, I mean, I know that's the case in like mafia films, but. I think it'd be a case in any kind of situation that you saw a murder happen. If the person knew you saw a murder happen, yeah, I mean, you told on that person, they would be gunning for you, no doubt. Uh, you know, but yeah, I, it, you're, you're right. It is real life. Uh, sad situation, but it, it's what we live in. You know, people don't speak up when they should. Yeah, and so, and also I want to mention real quick, uh, another person that was in this movie that surprised me, I didn't realize, Mike Epps. I forgot Mike Epps is in this movie. He's in this movie? Yeah, he was... Uh, oh, Epps. yeah, he is. He is, isn't he's he? Doc- yeah. He's the doctor. Uh, I guess he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah um, he's... Well, he's something. He's okay. like Bruce Willis's best friend in this movie, it seemed like. Or at least yeah. a best close closest co-worker. Co-worker, yeah. Yeah, in this movie. Um, but, yeah, he shows up, and I'm like, hey, man, Mike Epps, you know, and I thought he was going to play more of a role, but he was only in it for like maybe two or three scenes. Yeah. At least um, he's getting work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, and so, but it was really cool to see him. Um, but yeah, man. Um, so Bruce in this movie, uh, the turning point for him is he went, I guess his wife was buried uh, back home in Texas or, or something. Yeah. I felt like it's somewhere like Texas or something. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, her her body was taken back home, uh, and uh, while there, her father uh, grabs a gun and runs poachers off the property and then shoots a deer that was gutted. I don't know why the deer was gutted, uh, but you know, um, it was gutted. But, yeah, but uh, they she, but shoots the deer, and and it kind of jarred something in him. That makes him think. Well, I need to, I need to protect myself, you know, because because yeah. his father, his father-in-law rather, 
was a take no crap type of guy. He was like, man, no, they come on my land. I shoot, I shoot them. You know, they don't come on my land no more, you know, whatever. That's just who he is. And so Bruce, uh, or doc, I'm going to call him Dr. Paul Kersey, um, then takes that into his mindset. And then when he finds that gun, uh, I think he went, did he go first to try to buy a gun? Yeah. Yeah. This happened? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, he went to go buy a gun, talked about buying a gun after the funeral, but he didn't end up buying it because uh, he ended up finding a gun at the hospital. But he does buy one at the end of the movie. He buys, he buys multiple guns at the end of the yeah. movie. Um, but, yeah, um, he is um, – so he gets this gun, and he uh, then goes to, I guess, the first – night with it he is he just happened to be walking around and sees that this carjacking is happening yeah and um and he yells at the guy to stop and the guy you know gets cusses him or whatever and gets in the car and uh he shoots he shoots and uh and the did the gun jam or backfires or something it, it, it he didn't know how to shoot the gun so when it when it went back it hit him right in the thumb well, not the thumb, but uh, it it cut right his neck. hand. Yeah, yeah, bruised it really bad. Yeah, and uh, so then he starts shooting with his left hand, um, and that's why they think that it's a left-handed shooter, uh, because you know of that. But um, he is, I don't know. So he ends up shooting the people, yeah, and killing them. And at the same time, this lady's recording it, and yeah. it's and that's what makes it go viral. And which makes sense in today's time and day. Yeah, that's definitely. how that's how it would go viral. Is this guy, uh, this somebody's video and uh, like recording, uh, this guy shooting and killing these people. And then she said, he says, the cop says, hey, uh, don't upload it on the social media or anything. It's evidence. She's like, oh, I uploaded that like hours ago, and this already got over a million views or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, you know, it's just, you can't stop that type of publicity that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I even remember a scene uh, when Bruce is talking to the detective. He's saying he, he'll offer money, a reward. And he, the detective says, we'll just get, uh, like, uh, what you, I forget. A lot, of co- a lot of copycats or something? Yeah, like that. Something, something like that. It's like, it just slow us down. We're actually finding the person or people that actually did this. And I was like, yeah, that's probably accurate too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it, it just, it, you know, it, it's just a shame uh, that that was the situation and it would be that situation. But at the same time when he he was doing this, yeah, I remember the cops saying he didn't know, he, they were looking at the footage like he didn't know how to shoot the gun. He, he didn't get shot. He just didn't know how to shoot a gun. So we're looking at a guy that doesn't know what he what he's doing with the gun. Uh the rookie, in other words. <laughs> but I like that aspect though of Bruce, because we all know Bruce. He's John McClain, action star. Uh I like the fact that he's he's an average Joe here for a good portion of this movie. And it it slowly builds up to him becoming this vigilante. Uh, I like that aspect to this movie more than I did Charles Bronson's. Yeah, because Charles and, knew what he was doing, and he uh, yeah, it's true. And and he uh, the first killing, he runs, he he throws away the hood, the hoodie, 
uh, and he ends up getting onto a, a subway cart. And uh, and it felt like the killings in this movie with Bruce was more therapeutic for him because he had yeah. the counseling sessions with the uh, with the uh, the doctor, the uh, therapist, and uh, and he he started. She said, "Oh, you look like you're doing good. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it." You know, he's like, "Yeah, I'll try." And you know, but he's like really feeling more comfortable and feeling more like I feel like I can rest because he feels like he's take he's, he feels like he can rest a little bit more because he's taking back his power. Whereas uh, if he's waiting on the police to solve a crime, like it's not going to get solved. Not now. Granted, uh, Detective Rains and uh, Jackson, they might have been able to solve the crime, but there's a good chance that they wouldn't have been able to solve the crime. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, and so, but then it seems like they were more the the main uh, case was no longer the unsolved murder of his wife, but more of this vigilante. And it became the case that they try to solve versus, you know, so they still didn't even try to look actively solve his wife's murder. Yeah, it's true. They, they, they were trying to stop this vigilante, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I just like the, the journey that this doctor took and, and had, and his wife, his daughter was slowly getting better. Uh, I just I, I, it, it's a coincidence that it happened that MJ was shot and killed, and it was it, and it, he was on uh, Dr. Paul Kersey's watch at the hospital. Mm. It, it was just coincidental, but uh, I, I love that scene though because you know obviously he finds the gun, but also he, he as you said he sees the watch and uh, he notices the tattoo of MJ. And he puts it all together. This guy was, this guy was responsible, because mm-hmm. he he started it all when he, he took that screenshot. So, I I just love that that whole scene that it all came together in his mind. You know who was responsible and he's gonna find these people. I felt like that. I do I do agree with you. Uh, when he started really honing in on like all right before I get to that, the ice cream man killer. <laughs> When they killed the ice cream man, I guess it was the Kali guy, uh, he walks up, like, it, it's not believable. I guess maybe a white guy walking up in, like, a, a urban neighborhood like that could be if he was, like, looking for drugs. Maybe that's what they expected him to be, like, uh, uh, you know, crackhead or something. I don't know. Uh, that was looking for some type of drugs. And um, yeah. and, he's, and he just says, hey, are you the one they called the ice cream man? And then the dude pulls his gun out and says, yeah, why, what's up? And then, you know, uh, he says, well, uh, you just sold your last customer. And then pop, 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 and shoots him real fast. Uh, His henchmen didn't even respond. They ran, I think. Yeah, they ran. And so way way to go with your security, buddy. Uh, but, But then, like, also the saddest part about that scene is it's gonna, it's a revolving cycle because when he gets killed, people ran and stole his drugs. Yeah. To maybe sell themselves or to do something, you know. So it's just going to be a revolving cycle of that happening. Oh, I, yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's it's like taking down a mob boss. Someone's going to step in his place and continue his work. I mean, or a, a, a terrorist, you mm-hmm. know. 
taking down the main guy. Someone's just going to step up. It, it, it is a it's it's it recycles. Everything recycles. Uh, sadly, but you know, it, just the way it is. I mean, drug dealer, terrorist. You know, serial right. killer. Well, a serial killer maybe not. But, but then again, someone will get will research copycat all these. It, yeah. Then they'll copycat it. You know, hmm. they'll get inspired somehow, and you know, take up his reins. I mean, I, I don't know how that works since I'm not one, but, you know. But, Bring uh, it down, Brandon. Bring it down. <laughs> but uh, good Lord. All right. So, uh, anyway, uh, I do feel like I, I agree with you, though, when, when you say that when when it shifts into the second act, going into the third act, when that's when he starts to really look for his uh, the killers of his wife and uh, abusers of his daughter. Um now the the guy never raked his daughter in this. He did get all touchy feely at one point. Oh, he it wanted like to. He, he really wanted to, uh, but but uh, the guy that is the leader, uh, I guess, said no. Don't you're not having any of that happen. You know, uh, but it's not I, I that type question. of part. I have a question for you. Do you think it was more terrifying not to show what happened in the early stages of them killing Elizabeth Shue and? whatever they did to the daughter uh, or what they did in 1974, what they showed there. What do you think? What hit you the most? Uh, the 1974 uh, 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 home evasion yeah. hit me the most. Uh, this one, uh, because they pulled out and you just see the flashes from the gun barrel, yeah. you know, you, you, that, you, that made you understand. Me, yeah. you that made me feel like it was PG-13. When it obviously was rated R, <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't understand why Eli Eli did that. You know, I guess yes, especially if he goes on later on and shows everything he shows early later on. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have been uh, you would have felt more for Paul Kersey. I mean, you feel for him, no doubt, uh, and you feel for Frank, the brother. Uh, but if you would have actually saw what happened to him. You would have hated these guys even more. Uh, they wanted Bruce to kill them in heinous ways. I feel if you would have shown it, what he did later on to these people, I would have been fine with. Because how they brutally killed his wife. I mean, you know, no telling what they did to the daughter. Yeah, it, it, it's not – I don't think they brutally – like, I would say that they, they must have shot the daughter, I assume, as well. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, – and then uh, the mom, they uh, they just straight shot her and killed her. Uh, they didn't beat her up or anything. They just shot her and killed her. Um, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, like, does it warrant, I guess because it's his loved one, it's warranted the type of violence they caused on them. But for a viewer, the violence that was suffered to Charles Bronson's family in the original warranted that gang to be destroyed. And that's why I left so a little unsatisfied with the original because I wanted them to get theirs. Yeah. But uh so but with it, them, they got theirs, but you just don't it, you're so divorced from it in this one because the you didn't see their faces. You you know, you just you only know MJ was there. Uh you but you don't see nobody none of the other faces. So you don't really have other than that one guy that pulls his, you know, his thing off. But you just don't really, you know, 
feel it. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, when he kills the guy underneath the car, you know, this is what I'm talking about by the one-liners when he started to become Bruce Willis. He says, I- I'm not going to kill you. Jack is. Then he pulls it, and Jack kills him. <laughs> you know, I-, I feel, I was like, okay. That's, I felt like I went back to, like, Die Hard 7 or something with this, and I just, or Mercury Rising 2 or, or, or something that Bruce did early on in his career with the one-liners. Uh it was unnecessary at that point. The I don't feel like, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel Dr. Kersey would have said anything like that. Uh, well, the torture scene with the uh, exposing the vein, the, yeah. um, that was very gruesome for me. Uh, yeah, it was. It was very unsettling because anybody that has had uh, back problems or sciatic problems yeah. uh, just knows the pain that the sciatic nerve can cause in your body. Oh yes, and and, uh, <laughs> and to have it exposed and have mm-hmm. battery acid or I don't know what the heck that was. Any, I don't know what it was, but just to have have it poured into the open wound is terrible. Uh, but the but I would say that his death he felt the last because he just was face splat, splattered. He yeah. would he was at, probably out like immediately and killed instantly. Oh yeah, uh, I mean. But in seconds, yeah, but it was just brutal. But it's brutal for no reason. I agree with that. It was, you know, it was, it was, it really showed who directed the movie, uh, in that scene and the ending too, uh, showed who was directing it. I felt watching this movie like if Eli Roth wasn't directing this movie, if someone else was, this probably would have been better. Not that I don't like, I actually think this is probably one of his better movies. Honestly, yeah, yeah, I um, agree. but you just—he's not—he's uh, not James Wan, you know. He like James did Fury Seven. He did Aquaman, and, and he could—you know—James Wan could move around in subgenres. I don't feel like Eli Roth can. I, I think he always has to go back to horror. He always there was just mm-hmm. as I've said, and you've you've agreed that. There was no reason for the splatter of the face there. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you look at his, uh, I'm looking at Eli Roth's uh, resume, if you will. Uh, so his his movies was like Hostel, uh, obviously, Hostel Part Two. Uh, he did Inglor. Uh, I don't think he directed Inglorious Bastards. I no, that's Quentin Tarantino. Um, Green Up, Green Inferno. Knock knock. Is that the one with um, Keanu Reeves? Keanu, yeah. I haven't which, seen it. Which it also has a little bit of, you know. Uh, and then uh, he did Death Wish, and then he said he did the house with the clock in in its walls. Well, that's with Jack I've never, Black. I've never seen that. I have it. It, it was all right. And um, Borderline, uh, Borderlands, in pre-production. But so he. Uh, oh no, is, he's doing that movie. Yeah. Oh, I, I have no faith in it then. Uh, but my my point is, my point is he is so uh, like you can see that all his movies, like I said at the end, Hostel. Uh, I hate it. I I never really like Hostel. I always I never like torture porn. Um, it just I feel like it's just too grotesque, and that's probably why Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though I own it, it doesn't sit too well with me because I don't like seeing anyone brutally murdered. Uh, it just it, it bothers me, even though it's just make believe. It's on TV, it bothers me. 
And um, I'd rather, like, if, if it's Jason Voorhees doing it or Michael Myers or something like that, you know, I I'm, I can do, deal with that, but not so much. That's like, funny because he's one of the icons as well. He's one of the big four. Who? Leatherface. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't yeah, but, take it. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't. I mean, because uh, it's, just, it's supposedly based on true events as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which but, I don't know if I believe all that. I, I know it was inspired by Ed Gein, but I don't. Yeah, that's the, that's the main that's the main basis for it is Ed Gein uh, cutting off the faces of women and wearing. They were already skin. dead, right? I mean, he didn't cut off yeah. anybody that was alive. No, no, no. He Ed and I don't believe Ed actually murdered anyone. He might have murdered someone, but uh, I thought that Ed mainly robbed graves. But yeah, yeah, I think he did murder at least one or two ladies. But, um. But my point is, Eli, his movies, man, are just so, I don't know. Like, like this movie, it didn't feel like an Eli Roth movie until the third act. And yeah. then, but he's not a, a tour like Quentin Tarantino who can get away with it. Like, where um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood felt like, it didn't feel like Quentin Tarantino until, like, it. It, the end, and you're like, oh, well, this is a Quentin Tarantino movie, yeah. but it's okay because you're like, yes, give me that, you know. Where whereas in this, I just felt like, I, I don't know, it felt cheap. It didn't, it didn't feel like the same movie. Hmm. Uh, in that last act, to me, uh, I say to me, it just didn't feel like it was in the same movie as the first two acts. It just. He wanted to go over the top with it, and he wanted Bruce Willis to become Bruce Willis instead of the character Paul Kersey, in my opinion. Uh, and I and I felt like in and uh, and I felt like in this movie that uh, Bruce, uh, well, Paul Kersey is the only character in this movie that immediately like you can tell that he's no longer Doctor Paul Kersey, but. John McClane or somebody else, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's, he's like someone else. Whereas, uh, whereas you felt like Frank, his brother, was always Frank. You yeah. felt like the detectives was always the detectives. You felt like everybody was always who they were. Uh, I argued that the daughter, she shouldn't, she she should be atrophied in her legs and be. She wouldn't be able to walk. She's in, she's unconscious for a long time. She shouldn't even have a brain function. But it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> She she should be literally like a vegetable, uh, but because her brain ceased from functioning for the longest time in a coma, she wouldn't be like speaking that clearly. She had a trach. It just but it's a movie. It's a movie. But it's more believable what happened with the daughter in the first one than the way the daughter was in the sec in this one. Yeah, uh, it doesn't. I don't believe that this is like. You know what I'm saying? I do. She she seemed like she's okay with. Oh yeah, my mom died. Yeah, that's what you know. Like she did panic at first, but then after the initial panic, she was like, "Yeah, whatever. I'm going going off to college." Um, I also like the brother uh, relationship with uh, Vincent and Bruce. I because at first you felt like Vincent uh, Frank Percy, you know, was almost like he leached off of. Of, off of, off of Paul, uh, mm -hmm. he wanted money all the time, and I love when he comes back to see him. He wanted to repay him to take him out, and uh, Paul thought he wanted more money. I, I love that scene, uh, which you know, obviously Frank got upset about because he thought 
you know, he only comes to him when he needs money. And uh, so I, I, I love Vincent in this movie, though. I love their their chemistry together. Uh, I felt like they were brothers. I really did. Um, now, uh, let's go ahead and get to the uh, end of this movie. So in the end of this movie, uh, he encounters, I guess, the main uh, guy that broke into their house, uh, the leader of the crew, who comes with more goons for Bruce to kill. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and so uh, Bruce kind of Bruce knew that the guy was going to come for him. And so he has his daughter hide in, in underneath the staircase uh, and things like that. And, um, and he pretty much uh, – sets in motion to start killing these guys that, and break into the home, which that's the only one that those are the only deaths they did was actually legal is those that, uh, that broke into his home because he has the right to defend his, his seven in his home. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, he, um, like he ends up getting shot and, um, the guy has him cornered down in the, like in his little, uh, basement or whatever. And um, and then like he hears his the guy hears his daughter calling for him, and he, and he says something weird. Is I thought it was a weird line. He says, uh, "Is that your daughter?" Uh, yeah. It didn't like I think he was alluding to like I'm gonna do something to her, or, you know, whatever. I don't know, but it's just a weird line. Of course, you know it's his daughter because you've seen him earlier at the hospital with his daughter and had a whole conversation with them, you know. Uh, so you know it's his daughter. It just seemed like a weird line. Um, yeah. and then, uh, you know, he's distracted long enough for him to kick that little table that comes back into play er from the earlier commercial and, uh, it has a gun already there loaded and he shoots him, kills the guy and the cop comes and says, Hey man, just stick to being a doctor. You're, you're good at saving lives. Yeah. But we don't even know that he's good at saving lives because clearly everybody that he's had in his emergency room has died. Except for that <laughs> one little boy. You know, so I would argue that he's not good at saving lives. <laughs> you would argue it. Yeah. Aaron's going to argue that Dr. Kersey can't save any lives. I mean, I haven't seen one person's life other than the little boy they saved. That's the only person he saved. All right, Jim. All right. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, all right. But no, seriously, um, I think that the, I think that, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Anything else you want to say about that movie? I just, you know, I thought it was really Bruce Willis, the last person he killed, the main guy that was after him, uh, after his daughter. He, he just he pushes that thing down, and gun pops up, and he blows him away. Uh, you know, I just, I was like, that's Bruce Willis. That's why we came to watch, be see Bruce be Bruce, but also sign. Uh, yeah, a real character as well. So uh, you know, uh, I don't have any problems with him being Bruce in this movie, uh, per se. Uh, I just it just didn't feel like the same movie overall. Yeah. Oh, when you get to that last time, and I blame the I blame Eli Roth on that because he was in charge uh, directing wise. Uh, but it, it was fun to see that that last uh, scene with them that home invasion. Uh, it, it was fun. I mean, but you know, it just it didn't fit with the rest of the movie, in my opinion. No. And then, uh, so uh, at the very end of it, 
they see the daughter off after the home invasion. The um, epilogue, I guess, is they send the daughter off to college. Uh, I, I forgot if she's in New York. I think he's in. She's in NYU. I'm not sure. She's somewhere else. She, I don't think she's in Chicago. Uh, I think she went somewhere else. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, he sees her off, and um, you know, sees the guy steals luggage, and he calls it for him, and he said, "Hey," and he's like, Phew. you know, you know, he does that little thing. Uh, and then, like, back in Black Blairs, uh, you know, from ACDC, and that's the end of the movie. Um, I think the ending of the, of the movie for the 74 version was better. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, Charles Bronson doing it and doing, like, yeah, the guy, you're like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, like, he's legit. At the end of this one, it's just Bruce Willis saying, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I thought it was, when, before I seen the original, and I seen this one before I seen the original, so I seen it, seen it backwards. I, I seen Death Wish 2018 way before I seen the original one. And so seeing this, at the end of that one, I was like, that's weird. You know, when he did that whole gun thing? I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> I'm like, why did he do that? I didn't understand the context for it. And now I know it's just homage to the Charles Bronson one, but Charles did it better. Um, let's talk now. So, all right. For the first one, 1974, let's give our markouts for this. So what did your markouts for 1974? Uh, my markouts is uh, 4.5 out of 5. Hmm. I'm going to stick with that. I, I've seen it twice. I, I like it better the second time around. Uh, it just, I feel like it was a better, you know, I feel like it was a really good movie, especially for its time period. I feel like it still holds up today. Uh even though the world's changed quite a bit, <laughs> but I still feel it's a entertaining movie. And that's the thing I always get concerned about watching a movie in the seventies before the eighties. Is it, can it still entertain me? Cause it, it's, you know, we live in a different world now than we did back then. So, but still, I, I feel like it's a still a strong movie. So I'm giving it 4.5. Uh, all right. So letterbox, I gave it five. Um, think I did. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to give this 4.5 as well. The only reason why I'm going to bring it down from 5 to 4.5 is I love the whole movie. I love uh, Charles Bronson. I thought he was magical in it. And um, I thought just I just enjoyed that. I give it that because I was not as satisfied because I wanted him to get even with the people yeah. that uh, murdered his wife and uh, raped his daughter. And so I don't know if in the sequels, if they ever do. I, I'm pretty sure it's never going to be Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you, know, you know, I would say Jeff's career probably kind of picked up a little bit after this. But um, I, I, I felt like he just – I felt let down because of that. But not as let down that as I didn't. Because now I'm, I'm going to go back and watch 2, 3, 4, and 5 because, you know, I really enjoyed the first one. So Yeah, I agree with you. Hundred percent. Right. Uh, so, what's your markouts for the remake? Twenty eighteen. All right. So for that one, I'm gonna give it a, a three point uh, three point five. You know, I'm get three and a half. So, out of uh, five markouts, because I, I do that because I love Bruce in it, 
I love Vincent in it. I love the I love the whole cast that's in this movie, uh, and I love the story that it tells and how fast paced and stuff it is with it. But the ending felt to me a little rushed and a little flat and um, unbelievable. I don't believe that uh, murder that came into the house like that will come back into the house again. I don't believe it. Oh, he has spoken, ladies and gentlemen. He has spoken. 3.5. My, my, that's my, my mark outs as well. 3.5. I liked it. As you said, I love Bruce in it. I love Vincent. I love the cast, as you said. Uh, I love the first two acts, but it falls apart for me in that last act. And I, I blame Eli Roth on that, uh, simply because he kind of made it a little bit of a gore fest when you weren't having that in the first two acts. You, it's like he forgot what movie he was making. <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just simply, I don't know, maybe he, his horror days just weren't behind him. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, but I do know this, it, the, the, the scenes were unnecessary. <laughs> So it, it was kind of losing me with all that stuff. But at the end, you see Bruce kind of be Bruce. I enjoyed it. But at the same time, it's like, I don't feel the character would have done what he did. I feel Bruce Willis would do this. But I don't feel Dr. Paul Kersey would do this. I feel like, real quick, uh, so the third act in this movie, uh, the difference between the third act in this movie and, say, the third act in uh, – uh, Rambo, Last Blood uh, is because both of them deal with revenge. Both of them yeah. deal with getting vengeance on someone that did them wrong, did a family member wrong, or whatnot. The biggest difference is it's more believable that Rambo, who Rambo is, would John John Rambo would set up traps, and yeah. kill people, and hunt them on his property, and it's going to be tremendous. Yeah, and you can yeah. feel like, oh, this isn't over the top of, at all. This is Rambo. This is what he does. That's what he does. But Dr. Kersey, you just don't feel like that's what Dr. Kersey would do. Also, I feel the difference between that movie and this movie it, is that Rambo built up to that moment. This movie really wasn't building up. It just kind of slotted into that moment. It really wasn't like, oh, from the get-go, I'm going to get revenge on these people. I just, I'm going to, you know. I'm slowly going to transition myself into a vigilante and get lucky and find out one of the guys that killed my wife was shot and killed. It was all coincidental. It happened by accident, really. I mean, so if it had had MJ been shot and ended up in a different hospital, he would have just been carrying on as a vigilante. Yeah, that's I, the only reason why the cops was getting catching on to him because he starts killing people that were connected in some way to the robbery at his house. Yeah. And that's why the cops started connecting the dots. Like, oh, this must be uh, – they, they thought it was Frank. They, they was kind yeah, of they Frank. Did. Uh, and Frank – because I guess which was interesting, Frank has a backstory of being a tough guy. I assume he did jail time and things like that. Uh, but Frank has – he, he busts heads and busts skulls, it seems like. But – you, I wouldn't want to mess with Frank either, but you know, <laughs> uh, but 
the cops unfor- unfortunately thought it was Frank, uh, but they couldn't pin it on him because, you know, it wasn't Frank. It wasn't. Um, yeah. Obviously, it wasn't Frank. Uh, but, you know, I, like I said, I go back to I, I love the, the brother dynamic in this movie, I, I, especially when Frank realizes his brother is actually killing people. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I, I love that aspect. Uh, I, I recommend the movie people uh, i recommend it if you like bruce willis i recommend if you like action films uh if, if you like vincent d'onofrio you'll yeah. probably really enjoy it like vincent uh vincent d'onofrio I, I apologize i ain't trying to just talk all about vincent d'onofrio just he's just probably one of my favorite actors alive today uh and and it's not that he just now becoming that he has been that uh, yeah, consistently. He, he stole the show in Magnificent Seven remake. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was him at first. And then I was like, "Oh, well, that guy stole it." He he had Denzel in the movie with him, Ethan Hawke, Chris Pratt again from Jurassic World, uh, and he That's stole true. the show. I didn't think of, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think about they were both in Jurassic World. Yeah, I, I, so I was yeah. like, man, he outshined Denzel Washington. How many people can say that? Vincent, man, Vincent is the <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio was the best part of Full Metal Jacket. Uh, he played uh, he played the uh, private that um, that that, that um, was uh, beat up and yeah. abused during uh, boot camp, and ends up going crazy killing all the army. And uh, <gasps> you know, he spoiled it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Gosh <laughs> darn it. <laughs> I thought you'd seen that movie. No, I've never seen it. I haven't. I haven't seen it. Well, but you know what? A lot of people will be like, he deserves it. He spoils everything. He deserves something to get spoiled. My bad. My bad. <laughs> but he but he was perfect in that movie. Uh, but yeah. Uh, hey, that's not the only thing else. Aaron has spoiled, though. He also spoiled for me Crowley's death in Supernatural, which I just probably spoiled for many viewers that have not seen it. So there you go. Uh, did I spoil that for you, too? Yes, you did. Hmm. My bad, bro. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, no, Vincent D'Onofrio is great. Uh, he was uh, he was my favorite part of the sale with Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> have you seen that? I have. Sadly, uh, but, I did not like but, it. Movie, but but he was good though. He was interesting as a serial killer yeah. who has these manifestations in his uh, uh, dark psyche. Um, uh, just he's he's just a great actor, man. And this is the first time I've seen him play a character that was a more likable character. He usually plays the tough guy, bad guy. But in this one, he's just a very likable guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm like, other than, like, in Ventures and Babies, and he played he played a likable guy, sort of, you know. But, yeah, uh, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I would recommend it, like you said. I would recommend it to people. It is on Prime. Matter of fact, all the death wishes – that has ever been made is on Prime right now. Yeah, I don't know how long they're gonna be there. That's why I'm gonna try to uh, huddle and watch them as fast as I can because I don't know, I don't know how long they're gonna last. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, versus mode. Who wins the battle, Brendan? Uh, I think Charles Bronson wins this battle. Uh, it's it, you can't beat a true classic. You just can't. I agree. Uh, 
You cannot beat a true classic. Uh, I agree with you. The winner of this versus mode is Charles Bronson, 1974, Death Wish. Uh, it is a classic. It's the one that started it. And, you know, if it tells you anything, that one spun four sequels. Yeah. Uh, Just like Dirty Harry. Spun no sequels. It probably won't get one, though. No. It didn't make enough money. It could get remade in 10 years again. So. We, I don't want it to be remade. I think I don't either. Done. I mean, uh, there's... There's too many movies like it already, so I mean, like I, I felt this Death Wish was more like the John Travolta film that he made recently. That it was okay, it wasn't great. This is better. What uh, movie? And what movie was that? I am Wrath. His wife gets killed. He seeks revenge. Hmm. You know, it, it's very similar. I own it because you know I'm a Travolta mark. <laughs> well, I do. I do hope for, and I will say this, and we can close it. Uh, I do hope. Well, you can say something if you want to, but I do hope that uh, true, uh, not true, Volta, but I do hope <laughs> that uh, freaking, freaking, freaking Brandon. Uh, Bruce? I do hope that uh, Bruce. Bruce. Has, I, I do hope Bruce has a resurgence. Um, like I'm glad that Nick is. Nick Cage is. I'm glad that Keanu is. Uh, I would I would argue to say Travolta is on the verge of having one. Uh, maybe if I don't can, know if he can find a product and find something that can just help him to make that make that trajectory. Up he needs again. to work with Tarantino again. Yeah, yeah, that would probably help him. Um, and um, but I would say that uh, I would really hope. Uh, Bruce probably didn't work with Tarantino again too. Yeah, he probably does too. I, I would say that. I would say that, and they all connected. See, they all yeah, connected. they all are. Uh, but I would hope that they would. Uh, uh, dang it, all of them are connected. <laughs> Eli Roth is connected to Tarantino. We're in Glorious Bastards. They yeah. are all connected to Tarantino. It's, he's like the new Kevin Bacon, man. Uh, but yeah, I just want Bruce to have a, another. I was hoping. Uh, with uh, Mr. Glass was going to be, or Glass was going to be it, but it's not, it wasn't. Um, but I just want him to, I felt real, I, I marked out when I seen him at the end of um, uh, Split. Yeah. I seen him at the end of that, I was like, oh, wow. We, I love actually, we actually disagree on Glass. You don't like it at all, I don't think. I like it. Like, I don't like the ending. I just thought it was. Mm. I didn't like them killing them all, but. I overall liked the movie. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Is Split was better. Unbreakable was better. Uh, it's the weakest film in that trilogy, but I liked it. But yeah, I thought it was going to be Bruce's resurgence as well, and it's not. I, I don't know if he can have one. I I, I think that uh, speaking of resurgence and uh, uh, M Night Shyamalan was on a resurgence. He was on one. He was. I think, I think with Glass, he just like went down again. Like 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 with Split, people was like, "Oh wow, I like this. this is interesting." It was but, good. Know, it was and good. Then, and, and then uh, you know, so people started like like. Well, actually, I'll say it started with the visit. Uh, well, uh, the devil. Uh, what was that one with the elevator? Yeah, he it wasn't produced. him. He produced it, but it felt like a Shyamalan type of film. I would say he had a lot of creative. 
yeah. to do with that. Um, but then, like, with um, the visit, you're like, oh, man, okay. All right, all right, Sean Malone, you're doing it. And then, like, with Split, he's like, oh, man, he's back. He's back. And then Glass, man, he's just like, come on, man. I won't say it killed him, but I will say it hurt him. Because overall, the perception of that movie was not good. It, most people didn't like it. Uh, it, it his next movie is going to tell a lot. We're just, I think it needs critically acclaimed. <laughs> I think uh, if it gets critically acclaimed, I think audience may give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you got, then, you, then again, you got, well, he's already burned me so many times. You know, this guy is a burner. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I hope he gets a resurgence. He gets going. He makes like a ton of movies that are really good. But the guy's burned me too. So, I mean. I don't have – I'm 50-50 on him. Uh, oh, and oh, And I was 50-50 on him after the splits. You know, I was looking forward to Glass. But, I mean, I thought Sam was great in that movie. I thought he was the best part. Uh, then they killed him. And I'm like, why? And then he's like, hey, it's, this is just an origin story. I was like, no, this is not just an origin story. This is the story. It's over. <laughs> mm. But anyway, yeah. yeah. I, I hope he comes back. Uh, you know, the funny thing about all these Quentin Tarantino guys is Sam Jackson has always stayed on top. <laughs> Sam Sam Jackson has – he has, like, infinite lives, man. Uh, yeah, he I, is – like, like Sam – and Sam could be in a movie. Like, he was in the other guys with The Rock yeah. for, like, only, like, first act, a little bit of the first act. And he stole the show. They stole the show in it. And uh, and you missed them when they were gone, uh, and uh, just it just it's who they are. They are those type of actors that you're like, oh man, you know. And they just they can they make anything instantly pretty good. Yeah. And um, you know, but for Bruce Willis, uh, I feel like he is. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing here. I don't. Clearly, he's not doing anything right now. But <laughs> I don't know what he's planning on doing. Anytime soon. He's supposedly got another Die Hard on the table, but I would say that I'm not really, and I'm a Die Hard fan, seriously. But I would, I would say that Die Hard, the best Die Hard is the one with him and Sam, and um, other than the first one, the one with him and Sam. You don't like the, the fourth one, do you? I can't even remember it. Uh, uh, yeah, he has a McLean. It's called McLean. Yeah. Um, but uh, he he has like his all his characters is the same guy, man. He's like I don't know. I I just want him to I just want him to uh, have a resurgence. But anyway, that's all I gotta say about Death Wish. Uh, both of them, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the first one for more. Yeah. I agree. Anything else you want to say, or you want to let them know what we're doing next week? Next week. I'm not going to change my mind. <laughs> I'm not. Nope, nope, nope. You're not going to no. pull Aaron. No, no. Uh, next week, I will be – my pick uh, is going to be Cop Car. I think I got that right. Cop Car. Kevin Bacon. It's on Netflix. I can't wait to see it. Uh never seen it, so it will be brand new for me. Um and then the week after that, it would be my pick. 
And I think we're going to go lighthearted. Uh, I'll probably try to grab something off of Disney Plus to do. Uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to bring us to, I don't know, something light. And then probably after that, Brandon will come with a, maybe a horror section selection. We'll see. Uh, he's, we, we, we had a horror section. He's pushing that horror section on me. <laughs> we, we ain't had it in a while, Brandon. We need it. Um, but uh, all right. Well, uh, this is Aaron Whitlow. I'm Brandon Spivey. And thank you for marking out with us at the Mark Out Movie Podcast. Please, before Brandon stops this recording, make sure that you please go to our YouTube channel at Mark Out Movie uh, Podcast. Also, you know, like, subscribe, share. If you have anything that you want to suggest for us to uh, review, Brandon, how can they find us? Well, they can find us on Twitter at Rev Rock. What, what, what is it? Rev A Rock. R E V. <laughs> A-R-O-C That's my Twitter handle And my Twitter handle I believe Is Brandon's Creek At Brandon's Creek If yeah. not just type in Brandon's body You'll see a picture of me All Being preppy or whatever And, uh, and my cover photo is the Mark Out Movie Podcast okay. That'll tell you you're in the right place All right. Also then, go ahead. Find us on Facebook at the Mark Out Movie Podcast and then also, if you can't find us there, uh, we have another Twitter. I don't track it as often, though. It's the Mark Out Movie Pod. It's on Twitter. Also, Cinema Bruh on Stardust. And uh, Letterboxd, Brandon Creek. Uh, and I am Rev A Rock on Letterboxd. So, yeah, just look for us. We're out there. And we'll love to hear from you. Honestly. Honestly, we would. Absolutely, we'll do it. We'll review whatever. Yeah, Um, mainly if it's on a streaming service because we have almost all of them. (laughs) Yes, but I don't know about Shutter. I I just don't know. He might get rid of Shutter. It sounds like he's getting rid of Shutter. But uh, I don't know. Maybe find something good on Shutter that you like. I'm trying. (laughs) What's uh, What's next on Shutter for you? What do you have on the queue? I don't have anything on the queue except for TV shows. I have like five of those. Uh, but I don't know. I, I may give uh, that one you suggested. Uh, what? Uh, which one? Uh, we Are What We Are? No, the one you told me I need to watch. Oh, uh, Hell, uh, Hell, uh, Hell House or something yeah, like Hell that. Yeah, Hell House LLC. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's good. Also, uh, if you like little slock type of uh, movies – Humanoids from the Deep uh, is a really funny uh, horror movie uh, about like creatures that is still women to make sex and babies with. Yeah, it's a it's a Roger Corman movie. There you go, <laughs> Brandon. Brandon, Roger Corman. Come on, Roger Corman, Brandon. But uh, oh, what has just happened? Monster babies having what? There is sex happening with monsters. monsters. Yes, Brandon, it's, stick with me. It monsters. is a quarantine. I mean, people need to have sex, I suppose. All right, we're going to end this right now. Brandon, <laughs> you can cut it. All right, All thank right. you, guys. Hey, thank you for marking out with us. This has been Aaron Whitlow, and I am Brandon Spavi, and we are the Mark Out Movie Podcasters. There you go.